Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello and welcome to the Partly Political Broadcast, a podcast that combines politics and comedy to form something that is not quite enough of either and therefore disappoints everyone all at once. This is episode 100. Yes, 100! Fire the 100 episode klaxon! I'm Tian and Duyeb, and if 100 episodes of this show have taught me absolutely anything, it's that last week's local election results totally proved that your favourite party did great. But also, it's not looking that good for them. And based on the numbers, they do brilliantly or terribly in a general election, but don't forget these numbers can't be compared in that way. Yes, one thing we can definitely say about the local elections is that they happened. Oh, and the political wing of the Daily Mail's comments sections, UKIP, have all but gone. Yes, how hilarious that UKIP have gone back to where they came from. Except it seems that where they came from was largely the Conservative Party, who swept up a lot of those votes. And yes, swept up is the correct term for any votes that were swayed by gutter politics. Labour gained the most seats overall and came out with the highest vote share as well as most councillors, but they didn't quite grab some of the Conservative strongholds in London, such as Barnet or Westminster like they predicted. And there are two reasons for this. One is that they kept saying they would in the run-up to the election, and that is not very British, that kind of level of confidence to say that you'll definitely manage to do something. I mean, if Labour had been underconfident, muttered about how they'd try their best, and then told some sort of sob story about a deceased relative they were doing it for, I reckon the public would have gone for it, hook, line and sinker, and all the phone votes would have gone in. The other reason is that Barnet has a high Jewish population, and the recent anti-Semitism accusations against Labour meant that they weren't going to politically self-harm and vote for them. Although saying that, they did vote for a Conservative-run council, which teaches us that perhaps the residents of Barnet actually want to self-harm too much, or alternatively, that Labour weren't quite racist enough. How dare you only be prejudicial towards one group of people? Listen, Labour, until you're racist enough to deport British citizens based on their surname and a lack of paperwork, then you're not the council for Barnet. Or, it seems, Pendle in Lancashire, where Rosemary Carroll, a woman who looks like she enjoys executing handmaids in Gilead, made a racist joke on Facebook last year, but she was still reinstated to ensure the Tories had enough seats to gain control of the council in last week's elections. Rosemary says her Facebook post was all an accident, as she had meant to delete the post, but published it instead. I mean, great. Doesn't that just make her appointment even worse? I mean, Pendle now have an elected official who not only wanted to hide how racist she is, but also lacks the most basic skills needed to use Facebook properly. I mean, kids can do it. Come on. The Liberal Democrats rose from the ashes like a pigeon that's accidentally landed in a cigarette bin, and they gained a number of councils from the Conservatives. Lib Dem leader and Jim Henson's storyteller Vince Cable said that this proved the Lib Dems can win anywhere. Yeah, totally. Anywhere except the 141 councils where they didn't. It's like a child at a global cuisine buffet assuming being able to have spring rolls and a pizza means that they can travel the world. Still, it does show that the Lib Dems have some hopes of stealing seats where the Tories and Labour have burned away support. We no longer have a two-party system. No, there's now a third-party fire and theft. No, I'm not sorry. 
Meanwhile, UKIP's General Secretary and worst-dressed ugly baby, Paul Oakley, said on Radio 4 that his party nearly being entirely wiped out meant that they were like the Black Death. He said, think of the Black Death in the Middle Ages, it comes along, causes disruption, and then goes dormant, and that's what we're going to do. Is he threatening to kill 30 to 60% of Europe? I mean, yes, the very thought of UKIP coming back will probably cause buboes in the groin for many, but really, I think the only similarity between the Black Death and that party now is that in 700 years, people will look back at them and think, thank fuck that disease got wiped out, it looked horrible. Overall, everyone claimed some sort of victory while saying everyone else had lost. Labour leader and only political representative of the Ermine community, Jeremy Corbyn, told journalists that we had not yet reached peak Corbyn, although I guess that's impossible when you're constantly running downhill. Prime Minister and large gingerbread cottage owner Theresa May made a speech in Wandsworth praising how Conservative councils deliver great local services at lower taxes. Which is odd because only three months before, Conservative-led Northamptonshire Council revealed it would be raising taxes because it had run out of money. May may as well have praised her own ability to own up to shitty immigration policies or their clear Brexit plans before Poe going away on her increasingly large nose. Outside of local elections, the new Home Secretary and stunt double for Morph, Sajid Javid, said that he would leave no stone unturned to find the truth about the Windrush scandal. He then voted on Wednesday, along with 305 other Conservatives, against disclosing all the documents regarding those affected by Windrush to the public. Brilliant. There's a man you should never hire to do you a rockery. Now we'll never read how, allegedly, but I'm sure it's true as I've just made it up, Theresa May dresses up as Circo guards to personally deport people, laughing for the entire flight like a supervillain. Back in 2015, when pushing the Snoopers charter so that, you know, remember then Theresa May wanted to be able to read all your emails and then imprison you based on how often you put soz instead of sorry and misused an apostrophe? Well, back then, her and her ministers often said, if you've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to fear. A phrase I hugely resented as I had nothing to hide, but I still find spiders fucking terrifying. Now in 2018, though, her whole cabinet is like, oh, God, don't turn over those stones. There is nothing to see here. I mean, the mayors will all just shout, look over there, while waving their arms furiously in front of a big graph signed by May with every non-white Brit on it and where she wants to send them to. Business secretary and man whose every thought could be replaced by the noise a fridge makes and made more interesting, Greg Clark, told Andrew Marr on his BBC show that a UK-EU customs partnership is still on the table. But he didn't mention who's sitting at that table, if the EU have ever been invited for dinner, or why Jacob Rees-Mogg is sitting underneath it sulking because it's not what he wants and he's still angry about being made redundant from Ask Jeeves. Over in the US, President and the love child of a pantomime horse and some rust, Donald Trump, told the National Rifle Association Convention, aka never outgunned but regularly outthought and outmoraled, that an unnamed London hospital is like a war zone because of all the knife crime. Incredible that a draft dodger like Donald assumes war zones are just people knifing each other, which is probably a combination of him watching Fox News and Game of Thrones at the same time and not remembering which is which. But to be honest, I'm happy for him to believe in this. I think we should tell him that the streets of London are entirely paved with blood, everyone carries a knife, and actually it's part of our ancient tradition to knife visitors, and then hopefully the overcooked whale penis that he is will be too scared to visit in July. Also, the NRA convention had banned guns in the room the president was speaking in, so if only they'd all been carrying knives as well, they could have at least pinned him down on a few facts. Oh, and lastly, possible data-snatching Brexit and Trump-aiding firm Cambridge Analytica has shut down in order to spend less time with your family. Probably. They have, of course, already set up a new company backed by all the same millionaires called Emma Data, which I hope will only be used to data monitor people who live on a farm in the Yorkshire Dales that a plane once crashed into. Hello, you. Wowzers. 100 eps, eh? I mean, that is a whole bunch of my life. Neither me or you will ever get back. I mean, who'd have thought that way back when, in January 2016, when I started this show, that politics now in 2018 would be even more disappointing than James Cameron's upcoming list of films? I mean, back then, in 2016, there hadn't even been a Brexit referendum and Donald Trump was just a dickhead on the telly that you could avoid by changing channels or not being rich enough. But here we are, 100 episodes in, and there is still content for this show, so, you know, every cloud has a silver lining even though judging by that content it's probably actually lead and we'll all be in trouble if we breathe it in um anyway um 
thank you for listening. And because it's episode 100, rather than have a guest, uh, which is my clever way of covering up that my guest pulled out, because apparently episode 100 isn't a big deal for everyone. <laughs> anyway, uh, rather than have a guest, I thought it's my, it's my bloody podcast. It'll just have me on it. Do you know what I mean? I thought it'd be more fun. Get rid of the guest. And I instead have collated all the descriptions I've ever called certain political figures over the past 100 episodes. So to start you off as your little episode 100 treat, here is Prime Minister Theresa May. Theresa May is a woman who's constantly haunted by all those Dalmatians she's killed. Queen Grimhilda with her magic mirror. Has the charm factor of a hyena wearing an ironic T-Rex t-shirt despite not knowing who they are. Is the ghost of Christmas future. Is the only human being in the world with the sort of eyes you see on people who are about to turn into zombies. Is a hollow vessel body for the next Sith Lord. Is a barely conscious synth is a woman who, if she took a personality test, it wouldn't register she was there in the first place. Is Paul Nuttall with hair? Is the Witchfinder General? Is Prime Minister T-1000 May? Is the Machinen Mensch? Is an early rejected blueprint for a human? Is part boom mic, part ghost train? Is a reject ghost in the shell that's even more disappointing than the recent film one? Is one part authoritarian to three parts that feeling when you wake up ten minutes before your alarm goes off? Is the product of a dystopian jelly mould? Is the only living person to have rigor mortis? Is the only human to exhibit gecko-like skills for clinging on despite death? Is the only person whose Madame Tussauds waxwork has more warmth and personality than they do? Teresa, I consider being unable to punch my way through a wet paper bag a sign of strength may. Is the only person to be afflicted with a living dead career? Is the only person to get an error 404 code when she does a personality test? Is the winner of Best Dressed Icicle 2017? Is Tryhard with a vengeance? Is a woman whose computer password is strong and stable but with letters missing? Teresa, every day is UK snow day in my heart, May. Is the only person in the world whose face stays the same when she eats a lemon? Is an old Austrian myth used to scare children? Is an anguished mushroom? Is inspiration for the Laurie Anderson song Superman not because she's super, but because she goes on forever without doing anything much? Is the only person who enjoys going to the dentist? Is perpetually smelling something awful on her own shoe? Is somehow a haunted ghost? No, I don't know how either, but she does it. Is a Borg queen... Is a vampire constantly reacting to sunlight? Is a skin suit wrapped around bonfire remains? Is a bone collector? Is everyone's favourite taxidermied bird of prey? Is the only person for whom the recoil reflex is her default setting? And Theresa May is the catalogue model for Dino Rod. There, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, there will be more of those throughout the episode. And because I regularly neglect the Patreon crew, Patreon, 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 despite their noble efforts sponsoring this podcast, um, I'll be popping a special audio file for all donators on there with some of the politicians' uh, descriptions that I haven't included in this show. I've done a lot. It took a long time to go through 99 episodes of descriptions. There are some. There's more for Piers Morgan than I thought there were, but there you go. They all seem quite apt. Um, anyway, um, if you'd like to join those who will receive that file, please do head to patreon.com forward slash parpol bro and look without sounding too desperate and I'm going to sound very desperate now but I don't want to back when I started the Patreon in the distant past I put up a very modest target of $200 a month and two years in I've depressingly still not got anywhere near hitting that Oh, that's sad, isn't it? Anyway, look, if you can spare $1, which I think in GBP is currently 74p, which according to Google, 74p is the cost of the Smirnova Chernky Comet. I think that's right. I don't don't really know. Anyway, look, then please do spare that, as it all helps me avoid doing things like driving to the depths of Staffordshire last night to entertain people by a canal. Um, And instead of doing that, I would have time to make this show better. It was very nice. The canal was lovely. The people were very nice. But God, it's far. It was really far. And I could have been writing this. Anyway, look, if you don't want to do a regular donation, then please do a one-off donation at the Ko-fi account. So that's ko-fi.com forward slash bro. And a big thank you to Tom, who sent over one of those today. Um, It's hugely appreciated. Um, And it's called Ko-fi because it's meant to be the price of a coffee. You donate £3 at a time. Um, You can do more £3s if you want, but that's like the minimum. Um, But yesterday, I bought a new cold cappuccino thing that cost more than £3. And it was a lot like drinking bubble bath through a straw. So... 
I'll probably use that £3 for something else. Thanks, Tom. Um, to be fair, I probably should have just tried to make a beard with it, but I think it would have scared the person at the till. Um, as it is episode 100, I would also very much like to thank Cat Day, who regularly types up all the linear notes for each episode, and she does that out of sheer goodwill and brilliance. So please follow her on Twitter at Chronicle Flask um, and on her Facebook page, uh, Chronicle Flask, where she does some brilliant um, debunking of false science. It's really, really good. Um, and I'm excited to say that the podcast website, as my web person tells me, is very, very nearly done. So all those linear notes and interviews and everything should soon be easily searchable if you want to go back and find specific stuff that we've covered on this show. Um, I'm also aware that web person sounds like a knockoff Spider-Man toy. Your amiable local area web person. Also, big thank you to Rob T, SGP and Dexie Chigson uh, for reviews on Stitcher and iTunes. And if you have anything to say about this show at all, um, and by that I mean nice things, if you've got horrible things, uh, fuck off. But if you've got nice things, then please do give the show a review. Um, I mean, there's been over 100 episodes now, um, if you include all the bonus ones. This is 100, but there's quite a few shitty bonus ones. So it's, uh, you know. Anyway, look, even if you just say, hey, there's a lot of it, you know, that would do, because it's true. There's there's a lot of this. Um, that would be helpful. Um, quantity over quality, as they say. Well, they don't say, but sometimes it's true. I mean, if you said I could have 100 web person figures or one good Spider-Man figure, I'd say I don't want any of those. I'm not a man child. And then when no one's looking, uh, I'd take the Spider-Man figure. Um, I can't remember what my point was. But please just review the show. Um, also, I did ask online what you wanted for the 100th ep, and the public overwhelmingly, and by overwhelmingly, I mean about 20 of you, wanted the descriptions but also uh, a jingle mega mix came quite close now I started to put that together but it turns out that over 100 episodes there is over 30 minutes of jingles so I'm going to pop that as an extra release this week um, and that way if the thought of me singing some very badly written jingles over shitly mixed apple loops excites you then you can listen through that and say things like wow that doesn't even rhyme or god the first 55 episodes he released on that shitty old mic sound a lot like someone's just talking to me through a rolled up newspaper you know exciting things like that. You're welcome. Um, the only other bit of admin this week is if you live in Hastings or near Hastings or you've heard of Hastings from a book or a battle, then on May the 25th I am hosting one hell of an amazing bill at Dillawar Pavilion for Mark Thomas and Friends, uh, a show that Mark has set up to raise money for the amazing uh, Hastings Furniture Service who help people furnish their homes affordably. They're a brilliant charity. Um, and the tickets for that are £20 or £15 concessions and the lineup. listen to this shit, uh, is Daniel Kitson, Robin Ince, Bridget Christie, Johnny and the Baptists, Shazia Mertzer and of course Mark Thomas and then me comparing the whole thing just to ruin it. Uh, you can grab tickets on the De La Wire Pavilion site which is uh, www.dlwp.com and don't miss the L out on there or you'll end up getting a fit for work assessment that you don't want. On this week's show, as I've said, there's no guest. There is just my still croaky voice. Yes, it's still croaky. Yes, I tried everything. Yes, I then ruined that by having a beer and shouting a lot. Yes, I am an adult. Yes, my daughter should be terrified that I can't even look after myself properly. Anyway, look, just me this week, but I'm going to be doing lots of things. I'm going to be looking into those local election results. There is a little bit of Brexit this week. Post-truth section is back, and this week the headlines are back as well. But before even any of them happen, have a little bit of this. Jeremy Corbyn is fashion inspiration for geography teachers everywhere. Somehow managing to be unpopularly popular and popularly unpopular all at once. Is a one-man vintage clothing outlet. Jeremy, I bet he plays bowls, Corbyn. Is an allotment lover who's lost his plot. Is Jay Corbs, aka Jezza Corbster, aka Jeremy from the block. Is Bernard Cribbin's body double. Is Mumblebore the wizard? Is a Quentin Blake drawing? Is a hipster Radagast? Is 2016 Scruffed finalist? Is an old man Marley standing? Is a man who looks like he travels round schools to tell them about the importance of harvest? Is what would happen if Hemingway wrote a novel about an allotment owner that had to fight a giant courgette? Is a man whose name sounds like someone being excited by rubbish? Is a quarter Womble? Jeremy, I can't believe he doesn't own a narrowboat, Corbin. Is the official Japanese mascot for garden centres. Is a man who plays the game Risk by throwing all the figurines in the bin and popping a potted plant on the board instead. Is a human terrier. Is captain of the Pequod. Is former puppeteer of Sooty. Is Jack White's current main source of income. Is what happens if you anthropomorphise a loaf of sori. 
is a man who I'm sure is just waiting for someone to pass on a rare item they found to him so that he can give them a clue to help them with their quest. Is a besuited stoat. Is a man whose password is about four paragraphs worth of characters, but he insists his computer shouldn't work for a few. Is the only parliamentary representative from Donaldson's Dairy. Is the stunt double for Stanley Tucci in Captain America. Is an unfun-sized Papa Smurf. Is Captain Side-Eye. Is Steve Zissou in The Life Erratic. Is a pinto bean with eyes. Is a regular extra for old French children's books. Jeremy, I have special shoes for gardening, Corbin. Jeremy, if you bring me ten rushrooms, I'll award you with a hundred rupees, Corbin. Is a toothbrush in a suit. Is Charlie's Grandpa Joe. Last week, the Commons voted on an amendment to the sanctions and anti-money laundering bill. Yes, only five whole long years since Prime Minister and withered balloon David Cameron said he would no longer tolerate the dodgy cash fueling the UK housing boom, before then making sure the UK was one of the few countries that didn't abide by any of the anti-money laundering measures that the UK set in the first place, and then he ran away because of pig rumours and his insistence for the UK to have a vote to basically shoot him in the face. Sorry, I went off track there. Anyway, look, this amendment that they voted on would have forced British overseas territories like the Cayman Islands to publish registers of who owns what assets in the UK. Basically, a lovely long list of which Conservative donors own what and how that's affecting fucking everything. Yeah, I'm being facetious. But look, this vote came just weeks after it was revealed by BuzzFeed that the British government refused to help a French investigation into suspecting money laundering and tax fraud by Leica Mobile. You know, that company is always advertised over the shops that no one really knows what it is they sell. I mean, is it an internet cafe? Is it a front for a drugs business? Or is it some sort of holiday agency that only has one location with a picture that looks like it's been cut out from a label for a lilo? No one knows. The investigation happened over two years ago and French authorities, by which I assume they mean Inspector Clouseau, arrested 19 people for laundering money from organised criminal networks. However, when Clouseau, probably, gave a formal request to carry out raids in London for the investigation, it was blocked by the British government because, as they stated, the company is the biggest corporate donor to the Conservative Party. Oh, it's illegal, is it? Oh, well, thing is, we really like our fancy lunches, so do you reckon you could just, you know, not tell anyone? Oh, and if you could leave Thanos alone, please, because he regularly sends us hilarious gifts that we love chuckling at and really get us through that long period in the afternoon. Oh, and maybe just lay off Spectre, because we always get invited to their Christmas parties and they have the best nibbles. This new amendment to the bill was put forward by a group of MPs, including 19 Conservative backbenchers, with the hopes that once we leave the EU and the sanctions and anti-money laundering bill comes into place to fight against illicit money flows, that this amendment would add extra transparency in the fight against tax evasion. But it didn't go through, so that now won't happen. 303 Conservatives, 10 DUP MPs and one independent candidate voted against all the other parties for a majority of 13 to block the amendment. Guys, if you've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to... Guys, guys, oh, it's like they're not even trying anymore. Still, at least now we can all remain completely ignorant as to whether or not those luxury flats near you are actually owned by Imperial forces or not. Oh, we are smashing this money laundering thing as a country. I mean, I get the sneaking suspicion that post-Brexit, the UK Tourist Board's main lure will just be sending out do-it-yourself treasure maps to international criminals. Or at least, you know, just sell them one at one of those dodgy Leica mobile shops, replete with a free lilo. Nigel Farage. With his face like a cow's stomach that's been blowtorched badly. With his face like a squid carcass stuffed full of plastic testicles. With his face like a shaved pug that's been stretched over a baboon's arse. Nigel Farage is former UKIP leader, but eternal twat. Is like someone scrawled a face on a tumour. Is professional smegma. Is goiter with a face. Is 99% racist mouth and 1% a face that looks like someone filled the carcass of a frog with dung balls. Is a blabby-mouthed conman. Is a blobfish face. Is an autopsied carp. Is a primordial boozer. Is an amphibian in a wind tunnel. Is a man who, were he given a penny for his thoughts, he'd be bankrupt on account of all the refunds people would want, plus compensation. Is the 1% of bacteria Domestus can't kill. Is a waste of skin. Is an acid-damaged boglin. Is a haunted Toby jug in a suit. Is a populist barnacle. Is a sick bucket with a face. 
is a third-degree gravity victim, is a rice pudding skin wrapped around a jizz sock, is a gaping face wound. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Last Thursday, I walked around to our local Kurdish community centre where they kindly host the polling stations now that our local school made it clear that all these elections were really, really taking the piss. I mean, yes, I too think our current democracy is affecting children's education, but I hadn't realised it's just because every bloody year there's at least one vote. I mean, it's like an annual event now. I'm surprised there isn't a petition for it to be a bank holiday and all the tabloids aren't just telling us to shamelessly have nationalistic street parties to celebrate. That's it, get the trestle tables out, tablecloths made of the parties, manifestos and a variety of different coloured jelly and ice creams to encourage you and your neighbours to shout at each other about who's wrong politically in the street, in person and not just online. Anyway, I went along, I popped a small cross in a box like you would if you were organising a funeral for a hamster and I voted for who I believed in, which is why Odin the Allfather got at least one vote in my area. You may have had local elections near you, or just as likely not, as there are 124 local councils that don't have their elections due till 2020, and 35 local authorities that won't have any elections till 2021. By which point it'll be past Brexit transition phase, and voting will probably have been removed in place of battle duels to determine who's the mightiest and shall lead. And that's one of the reasons why these recent local elections can't actually tell you much about anything. I mean, there was much media coverage on what these votes meant for an upcoming general election, with the Sky News Thrasher projections saying it would demean a hung parliament with Conservatives on 305 votes, Labour on 261, SNP on 35, Lib Dem on 26 and other on 23, meaning either the Tories or Labour would have to get more than just the DUP to prop them up. And that's a weird one, that one as well, because Scotland weren't having local elections, so I'm not sure how Sky predicted the SNP seats, although it could just be because, let's face it, they'll almost certainly have 35 seats as Scotland is theirs now anyway, and one day I assume we'll just find out they've been severing the ground between it and England with the hope of just floating off for natural independence. The BBC projection, on the other hand, said it would be Labour in the lead at 283 votes, Conservatives at 280, uh, Lib Dem at 22, and other, including SNP, at 65. And again, leaving a well-hung parliament because everyone will have been quite severely dicked on. But really, we can't be sure about any of that because this vote didn't include so many areas that in a general election would be included. And it didn't count for low voter turnout because no one really cares about local elections or for people voting in a way that will affect them locally rather than nationally because bins! And some people voting nationally instead of locally because the way some of our local bin men shout they could probably stop Brexit just by yelling at everyone involved in it at 6am every day and wearing them down till they cry. But here are some things we do actually know as a result of these local elections. 
Labour gained an 8% swing with 77 extra councillors, which sounds pretty good, but overall they didn't actually gain the controls of any councils once you take into consideration gains and losses, and their vote share looks set to be 35%, which is the same as the Conservatives. Where they made some interesting gains, such as Plymouth, which was a heavily leave voting area, these were cancelled out by a lack of gains in London in areas such as Barnet, that while it's always been a Conservative stronghold since 1964, Labour stated that they had a really good chance there. Similarly, Westminster, where Labour came close by increasing their vote share by 7.6% and had 41.1% compared to the Conservatives' 42.8%, or Wandsworth, where they actually got more votes than the Conservatives but failed to get enough seats for overall control. So you're probably thinking, well, they've gained votes and they've increased vote share, that sounds good. Yeah, except they built it up by saying they could take those places, which puts fear into Tory voters and drives them to the polling stations. Plus, when they don't win, it then makes it seem like an even bigger loss, especially against a government who spent the last few weeks trying to justify a policy called Hostile Environment, which is a name that would only sound good if it was an ITV game show where reality TV stars are pitted against irate snakes and lions. So why did Labour lose some of those votes and perhaps not make those gains that it thought it was going to? Well, several signs in Barnet point to cases of anti-Semitism within the party, which mean Corbyn's slow speed at dealing with it has cost votes. But there is also the party's Brexit stance, which is still more unclear than Flint's water supply. Near me in Harringay, Labour got overall control, but Lib Dems took the councils in the most affluent areas of Crouch End, Muswell Hill and Highgate. So is that due to Labour being too left-wing now and them having centrist preferences? Or because the last Labour council brought in the Harringay redevelopment vehicle and those voters just didn't research that the new Labour candidates were against it? Or maybe it's the Brexit thing? Or maybe they just really like butter and so Lib Dems help them check that with all their handy leaflets that voters can just hold under their chin to check. Uh, who knows? Anyway, look, the Conservatives did well in heavy leave voting constituencies, which might suggest for Labour to take that vote that they need a stronger Brexit attitude. But then the Lib Dems picked up mostly Conservative Remain areas, so should Labour pursue those more, or would they never go for a more left-wing party anyway, leaving more open to the Lib Dems in the future? I have no idea. I mean, what do you think I am? Some sort of clever clogs? Clogs are made of wood. They're all idiots, actually. Fact. But I do wonder if even if Labour came out and just said, hey, we have one Brexit strategy that we all agree on and it's to rename our country Belgium too and hope no one notices, you know, that even some sort of clarity like that might well help them out. I mean, that's not really a good plan, apart from the chocolate, obviously. Oh, and Labour MP, who's worth more because he's still in his original plastic container, Chika Amuna, has already called for an inquiry into the local election campaign because he said the advances expected at this stage in the electoral cycle have failed to materialise. And sure, maybe he's right because it's not the usual gains an opposition would make but there also hasn't been Brexit before and you do wonder how much it helps having a party that's mainly opposing itself all over again. I mean it looks like this may well be another opportunity for those in Labour that dislike Corbyn to try and oust him yet again because hey what is more fun than challenging the government? That is right kicking yourself in the face until your teeth bleed. Oh, no wonder a man has kept his casing on. And really, even that analysis that I've just done there isn't very good, mainly because I'm not, but also because the main way to look at last week's election is that no one is going anywhere. Labour and the Conservatives are both not quite getting enough votes to lead in front of each other, and you start to wonder what will that mean when it comes to a general election? A hung parliament like last time yet again? The Lib Dems sneaking in and cleaning up enough to become kingmakers again? Jezza and Theresa realising that if you can't beat them, join them and end up romancing each other in number 10 with a new party called the Labservatives or Consabu where all their policies cancel each other out and the UK lives in a horrible limbo for four years until we're saved by a candidate who's so out there that they aren't left or right-wing but just straight up the middle with a twist or something. No, I've, I've really no idea. Again, another thing we do know is that UKIP have gone, which is great, down 123 seats and only gaining three councillors because it seems people in Derby are either awful or have a very dark sense of humour and like to waft a carrot in front of the bigoted donkey's nose in the hope it'll run to exhaustion and die. Most of UKIP's vote share went to the Conservatives, a.k.a. UKIP. I mean, damn, that must hurt. You come into the game with your newfangled racist policies thinking no one's on that tip and bam, the old school party take your game and play it harder. I mean, where have UKIP got to go now that the Conservatives are even deporting British citizens? They'll either have to slither back to their bog holes or emigrate, which would make them immigrants and then they'd have to hate themselves, or come back with even crazier policies where, I don't know, they deport all pets that didn't originate in the UK and then campaign to leave the United Kingdom, which, to be fair, might actually make them quite popular in Scotland. The Greens gained eight seats, including one in Oxford City Council, for a man called Dick Wolf, because how could you not elect that man? I mean, imagine having a Dick Wolf in your 
Council. He must be the only person in the world whose porn name, you know, mother's maiden name and pet name, is less porn than his own. Unless, of course, that is his porn name, but then which one would his pets be? Oh, so much to think about. Oh, and it seems that voter ID checks in the five boroughs they were trialled in meant that just under 4,000 people were turned away from voting. Would their votes have made any difference to the outcomes in those areas? Unlikely, but if 1.5-2% to of the voting population is denied a vote, that's not very democratic, is it? I mean, you may as well say only people with Dutchians can vote, or only people who climb a tower of spikes. Well, I mean, OK, it's not quite the same, but there's also no way of saying how many people didn't bother to vote because they thought they didn't have the right ID. Labour are calling for the Conservatives to scrap the policy, and I agree. Scrap it completely, but then if you're really worried about voter fraud, which you shouldn't be because it doesn't really happen here, replace it with the voight Kampf test that they give to possible replicants in Blade Runner. I mean, it's probably not very fun, and it'd be stupidly time-consuming, but hey, at least then Theresa May wouldn't be able to vote in her own constituency. David Davis is... A man who acts and looks like someone is constantly firing a hairdryer in the face of a sad sheep. A man so bad they almost named him twice but gave up. A tired cloud. A silver vole. The emoji for contradiction. A tormented albino gerbil. Is the personification of the void. David, I constantly have the theme tune from Bullseye playing in my head, Davis. Is a barely sentient fog patch. Is definitive proof that humanity is not the most intelligent species is a man who always looks like he's just woken up in the garden after going to sleep in the spare room. Is a man who could probably read the full story of Icarus and come to the conclusion that he can make his own wings out of newspaper and sticky tape and be fine. Is like a work experience kid that really wished he'd put down his choices of placement as football club or bin man instead. Is a depressed souffle. Is a mouldy prawn cracker. Is what if Wool was stupid. Is a confused uncle is a man entirely composed of the bits you have to pull off tangerines under the skin. Is a man who looks like he could be erased with one swipe of a D-bobbler. Is a mouldy cornflake. Is a man whose computer password is definitely his own name, but he still forgets it. Is a man whose parliament's bag of polystyrene balls in that he's also useless polluting light and substance and yet somehow very hard to get rid of. Is a man entirely made of the stuff left behind when you remove a sticker, but it tears a bit. Is sentient belly button fluff. Is a dropped yoghurt. Is badly whisked egg whites. Is a man who looks like he'd get confused by his own reflection. Brexit A quick sit Brexit fallout this week, uh, because, well, yet again, no one knows anything. Nothing has really happened except everyone complaining that no one knows anything, with the Remainers saying, hey, why don't we all do something actually sensible or, or just something? And extreme Brexiteers saying, wow, why didn't you just do all these impossible things? And why didn't you cut my sandwiches into triangles? And where is my mum? I mean, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But tomorrow night, a.k.a. Tuesday, a.k.a. if you're listening to this on a Wednesday last night, a.k.a. if you're listening to this on a Thursday, why are you so slow? Um, on Tuesday, the House of Lords will vote on a series of amendments to try and find a customs deal between the UK and the EU, with Theresa May insisting there'll be no sort of customs union, but Greg Clark saying it's not off the table, and Rhys Mogg wetting himself, and Ireland and Northern Ireland waving and hoping someone notices. Similarly, on the Labour side, pressure is on Corbyn to say just what on earth it is that they want. I mean, are they all buddying up with Rhys Mogg because, hey, even Lord Snooty had some scruffy friends? Or is it time to be sensible and have a clear strategy that perhaps lines us up for not total economic mayhem? Former Trade Minister and Labour MP Gareth Thomas is launching a parliamentary bid for a public vote on the final Brexit deal, which, hey, look, I'm all for the people having more say, but do you really trust them on that? I mean, most can't be bothered to read a tweet properly, let alone what various customs and trade deals mean, and they are far, far more boring than, say, my banging tweets. Labour peer Lord Ali, formerly Prince, has accused the leadership of complete cowardice for not supporting the Lord's Amendment to keep the UK in the EEA like Norway. But this was countered by Shadow International Trade Secretary Barry Gardner, who said doing that would reduce the UK to being a rule taker. And he doesn't mean in the stationary sense, because there's nothing wrong with that. 
But he's not wrong, actually, in that we wouldn't have any say over changes to the single market or customs union, but we would have to keep to all rules while paying to be part of them. And that's not really great, because you don't just want to be beholden to all their rules and not have anything to do with them. But at the same time, who knows what any newly created deal would have in store for us, as judging by how negotiations are going so far, it'll probably include us only being allowed food from Europe when we ring a bell. So again, the two main parties have no clear stance on what next, despite the fact that next is a really important bit, and Ireland and Northern Ireland are still pressed up against a rainy window, like Feeble hoping someone cares. What we do know is that whatever happens next, someone will be unhappy. And frankly, I just hope it's Jacob Rees-Mogg, because every time he smiles, I assume he's just buried someone under his patio, and I feel a bit ill. Boris Johnson is a blonde monster, an offspring of a bag of piglets and Wurzel gummage, is British politics's own Wreck-It Ralph, is a blonde guinea pig with an unfortunate talking arse growth, is a thatched roof on top of uncooked dough, is an eaten mess, is a squidgy tube with hair, is a host body for a mop head, looks like the stuff you find in your jeans pocket after a wash, but with a face. Is mutant belly button fluff? Is a human dust brush? Is the star of 1992 film Beethoven? Is the man for whom the wah 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 trumpet noise was invented? Is a chicken hearted dunderheaded nincompoop? Is an unhinged flump? Is who overstuffed the taxidermied llama? Boris, I've had too many Barockas Johnson. Is a bag of giblets attached to a feather duster? Is a combination of a bunion and some pissy straw. He is most well known for his role as Sad Sack in the Raggy Dolls children's show. Is the first successful cross of a golden retriever with a large dull thudding sound. Is a condom filled with porridge. Is a useless windsock full of blamange. Is a hairy sandbag of disappointment. Is a self-hating potato. Is the love child of Bagpus and an old jar of lemon curd. Is happy slapped uncooked dough. Is Penny unwise the clown? Is an overripe potato? Is an arse blamange? Is a walking concussion? Is a jumble sale in a suit? Is a soft play area gargoyle? Boris fucking Johnson. Is what if someone shaved Bungle from Rainbow? Is Marjorie the trash heap? Is Forest Lump? Is an animated pork bun? Is a concussed haystack? Is a T-bone steak that someone punched eyes into? Is a water wiggly filled with lard? Is 4,000 slugs in a trench coat? Is a punch bag made of overripe plums? You send it in, I read it out. That's what post-truth is all about. Except it's not actually what post-truth's about. But that's what this section called post-truth is about. You send in letters, then I read them out. So I called it post-truth, do you see what I did there? Post-truth. La 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 la. Now, I've not had a post-truth section on the podcast for ages, but I just wanted to read this out in light of the recent Windrush scandal and the fact that the government have quite openly voted to keep their documents on it all private. I mean, I really just don't get how they think that is a good look. I mean, what are in those files that they really don't want us to see? I bet, I bet it says that Theresa May's original racist van had some sort of siren wailing, get out, get out, while she drove it around dressed like the child catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or something like that. Anyway, on top of that vote, they then snuck out on Friday during the local election results that G4S, the company that if their name was written on a tree would sound like a love note, but instead are champions of failure, have had their contract to run Brookhouse Immigration Removal Centre extended for two more years. That's despite a whole tonne of footage that showed their guards choking detainees, among other types of abuse. Nine staff were suspended, but current detainees say the abuse continued after that happened, and there are reports of detainees being locked up for 13 hours a day. I mean, can you imagine if G4S had staffed the Olympics like they were meant to? Anyone competing from a non-UK team probably wouldn't have made it anywhere near the grounds. Anyway, this letters section on the podcast that rarely happens because none of you ever send me anything. So, so lonely. But I wanted to do it this week because I wanted to read an account from a listener uh, that I was sent that I promised to anonymise. Um, and it really shows you how many people this Windrush scandal has been affecting uh, and is affecting and just how shitty it all is. So here you go. And I'll remove any uh, sort of names or things that indicate who they might be. 
Hi, Tiernan. Uh, thank you for the immigration pod. And I should just say uh, there what they're referencing is episode 97, where I spoke to Mia Sullivan from the uh, SOAS detainee support. If you haven't heard it, please do go back and check it. Um, they go on to say, anyway, uh, really good. I'm not sure people realise just how bad it is. Don't remember if I told you about my father-in-law, but he came here from Ecuador when things weren't great there, and he's been here decades. No one knows he lives in Ecuador. His British wife, children and grandchildren are all British. He finally got round to formally applying for a passport. They told him to report in every couple of weeks. And then one afternoon, they handcuffed him, took him to a prison cell in London Bridge, left him there till midnight, and then at midnight transferred him to an old Victorian prison in Dorset. At 4am, they then interviewed him. He sat there for a few months and we visited and did all we could. Notified newspapers, got letters of support for him to stay, um, a decent lawyer. And they put in brackets saying that that's another vile scam. There are immigration lawyers out there that deliberately keep the process going as long as possible to get more money. Um, and they say they confirmed that he committed no crime, done nothing wrong, but didn't have the right paperwork lost their side, of course. Uh, they told him that he would be deported. He can accept the decision, go to Ecuador for a year and come back and apply for a UK passport on the basis that all his family are British or stay and challenge the decision to deport and risk being barred from entering the UK for 10 years. Uh, he has young grandchildren, so we took option one. Uh, the whole process was incredibly traumatic, cruel and served no obvious purpose. No one benefited. Even the government wasted a lot of money. And in fact, the only winners are the security firms running the process. Following the money, this could be what's driving all this. He's back now and life is almost back to normal. When he has his passport, we will fully relax and we seriously look for retribution and justice for the maltreatment. My wife cries every time she sees the news on Windrush. Anyway, thanks again for the pod. Very good. I genuinely think if more people knew how disgustingly the UK government treats fellow human beings in our name, we'd all be truly ashamed. Thank you for writing in, anonymous person, and I'm truly sorry that your father-in-law had to go through that. Um, it's a rinse, but I'm very glad that he's back in the UK now. Um, it's seriously grim, and I'm genuinely amazed it didn't hit the Conservatives' votes last week, or that there aren't regular protests about it, but I do think it's partly that not enough people know about it, and that sadly the current conversation on immigration is still that it is a negative thing. Um, if you want to do something to help, please do go back and listen to episode 97, and the many places Mia recommends that you can help. Uh, and also please do donate to the SOAS Detainee Support um, that Mia works with the way into that episode as they are entirely voluntary and need donations ASAP. Um, and if you have any other comments, you want to send me letters, serious, unserious politics, uh, not politics, but preferably politics, please do send them to partlypoliticalbroadcast at gmail.com or the Twitter or the Facebook um, but email. is You can't write. I mean, don't send me a thread on Twitter. I will just ignore it. Send me an email. Donald Trump is a broken windsock being humped by a shiatsu. The Best Unwanted Howling Baboon Tribute Act. A melanoma with a face. An angry racist Satsuma. A racist blister. He constantly looks like he's burning up with something you'd only get from having sex with something you found in a skip. The man who were Sigmund Freud to have delved into his mind, he'd have described him as a gargantuan orange arsehole. Is Captain Buffon McTwat? Is a KKK-endorsed celebrity Chris Dingle? Is the Troll King? Is the real-life version of how Pixar might animate the wind? Is the bloated orange head of America? Is a fucking cartoon? Is the Tangerine Nightmare? Is a man who would struggle to beat a chicken at Boggle? Is an annoying orange? Is an alternative blobfish? Is a batshit fuzz pumpkin? Is an American Pat Butcher? Is radioactive Edam? Is a hate gibbon? Is an ulcer with a wig. Is the only man to survive being bitten by a radioactive high-vis jacket. Is a teratoma in a suit. Has a sense of conviction weaker than Harrison Ford's flying abilities. Is a man who looks like he's barely survived a nuclear fallout already. Is a cheese puff eruption. Is a neon veruca. Is ambergris with features. Is silly putty rolled in fluff. Is a twat pumpkin is an atomic kumquat, is an animated bowl of potpourri, is a confused Edam ball, is a constant warning as to why you should all wear sunscreen, is the only known child of the mother of vinegar, is what happens if you don't lance a boil, is a public health warning about why you shouldn't give the Lorax crystal meth, is the missing link between a stomach ulcer and a blobfish, is a porridge filled windsock, is a man whose computer password is whatever it writes when you bang tiny ham fists on a keyboard because shouting at it doesn't work. 
is Dayglow Eric Cartman? Is a balloon filled with semolina? Is the Badger blimp? Is a congealed custard sculpture of a Belgian griffin dog with underbite? Is a croissant attached to a turkey? Is what it would look like if there was a Japanese mascot for hemorrhoids? Is what happens when you leave a cup of soup out for too long? Is Glen Gary Glen Gross? Is a swollen jelly baby? Is a dried apricot with horror teeth? Is an untreated ulcer? Is a physical manifestation of heartburn? And that is all for this week's 100th episode of Partly Political Broadcast. And thank you for listening, because without you, well, I'd just be wailing into a corner of my flat once a week, and I worry our baby daughter would feel like she has unnecessary competition. Uh, sorry for the lack of interview. I hope it just being me was OK. But next week, the interviews do return, so I hope that you will as well. Um, don't forget, if you have any thoughts or comments or anything at all about issues you'd like me to feature or interview someone about, please do get in contact at partlypoliticalbroadcast at gmail.com or the Parpol Bro Twitter or Partly Political Broadcast facebook group that i am still crap at using sorry 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 um please also do donate to the patreon come on let's get it to a measly 200 dollars or the Kofi. and please give the show a lovely review on itunes stitcher opod hairy Casted, audio wang or any of the others i've just made up Big thank you to Acast for letting this podcast crash on their sofa for such a long time without paying any rent or doing the washing up. And to my brother, the last skeptic, for all of the tunes. Um, he has a new track out with the amazing Koji Radical this week. Um, it's called Look Like, and it's part of his upcoming album called Under the Patio, so do grab that. Um, this week's show will be back next week when Sajid Javid will vow to make sure there are no plans to block out the sun before joining Conservatives to vote to not release documents to the public that may or may not show plans for a giant robot Theresa Mayhead to float in the sky and only give solar rays to those who pay for them. Bye! This week's show is brought to you by Paul Oakley's Positive Greetings Cards. Missing a loved one? With Paul Oakley's cards, you can tell them how much they remind you of the Black Death. Need to express thanks to a special friend or relative? Use Paul's special cards to say how their help was like a dose of smallpox. Need to send a special congratulations wedding card? Look no further as Paul Oakley's line of congratulations, you pair of dysentery-infected lepers, should do just the trick. Liam Fox is... Disgraced MP, Liam the Disgraced Fox, the Disgrace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.